To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. I need Counter. another thousand. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com. Of course, here from the Spare Parts Studio every Sunday. Everybody, you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on TikTok. Uh, somber Sunday. Look, I, I got all kinds of stuff going on, all kinds of different uh, articles and stuff like that. But look, we just had to pay the most important. No, no freaking stupid rap comedy today or any of that stupid shit. I don't give a fuck about the election. I don't care about the civil unrest, the stock market. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I really don't care. This is a this the most important thing about this podcast is that it's cultural, uh, and that's culture is one of the most important things we have, and the origins of where those cultures come from, the roots of it, and understanding that is the most important thing. And obviously, if you haven't heard or you don't know who the hell Sean Connery is, Sean Connery was the original action thriller spy hero. Uh, man that he was. It obvi- I don't even think he was. He's not even my favorite Bond wasn't even my favorite Bond, but he was probably one of the most important actors um, that I ever witnessed on screen. The fact that you can go from being uh, just a a male model in a fit in the, in a fitness uh, person, I think he was like an alternate on the on the Olympic team or some shit. But he went from that to becoming one of the most iconic characters of all time. I mean, what else can you say? I mean, I know that. James Bond is over the years has been up, it's been down, it's been uh, legitimized, delegitimized, and now it's being put through the meat grinder because of the cultural shit that's upon us right now. But what Sean Connery brought to the screen was respect. He brought respect that few actors are able to accomplish. 
He said shit, he meant it, and he didn't apologize. He stood by his roots. He said stuff right that on, on, on television that people still, if you were just to go and look for somebody straight on, simply on that context, you would never be able to understand the human being that he was. A man who lived into his, until his 90th birthday, had one of the most prestigious careers of all time, played some of the most memorable characters of all time, had lived a thousand lifetimes, and yet, through all that, he met his wife of 45 years in 1970, when he first collected his, his first million-dollar payday for playing, arguably, being a part of probably one of the worst Bond movies of all time, uh, Diamonds Are Forever, you can skip that one, but... I really, I don't know how long this podcast is going to be today. It could be, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't want to focus on anything else other than him. I mean, his wife was by his side for 45 years through so much stardom. I mean, when you think about it, in the 1970s, he was still James Bond, even though right as, right as it, uh, Roger Moore was starting to come into play with the early 1970s, you know, and he was becoming Bond, but Sean Connery was still Sean Connery. I mean, let's, let's face it. For her to stick by his side back then was truly, I mean, he could have done whatever he wanted. But back in the 1970s, he, let's see, he still had a ton of stuff coming out. Um, you Only Live Twice came out in 1967. The Red Tent came out in 69. Molly Maguire's 70. I mean, he was killing it. I mean, 70. He did Molly Maguire. 71, he did two movies, Anderson Tapes and Diamonds Are Forever. In 1973 and 74, he did The Offense and Zardoz. 74, he did also he did Murder on the Orient Express and The Terrorist. 75, he did The Wind and the Lion and The Man Who Would Be King. 1976, he did Robert and Marion. 1976 again, The Next Man. 76 again, Circassia, which was a short. A Bridge Too Far in 77, Major General... Urquhart, The Great Train Robbery in 1978. He did Meteor in 79, which was a big movie back then. He did Cuba in 79 as well. That was all the 70s. Before then, he had a slew of films, including the James Bond series, Dr. No, uh, yeah, Goldfinger, Di uh, what the hell was that movie? From Russia with Love. And then he did, and then he, of course, he closed up the seven, the sixties with the, you only live twice. This man accomplished so much, and even at the peak of his, he every he was never not at the peak of his stardom, even in the nineties when he was, you know, gray hair, balding. He still, he still was a action hero force. In the nineties alone. In the 90s and alone, he was, still, he was able to accomplish Medicine Man, Rising Sun, A Good Man in Africa, Just Cause, First Night, Dragonheart, The Rock. Well, Dragonheart, he played the dragon, but still. Then he did The Rock, which was one of Michael Bay's greatest movies. He did the first version of Avengers, Playing by Heart, which I don't know what the hell that was. He did Entrapment, and then finally, at the end in 2000, he started to close out his time as an actor. And his, his demands, his monetary demands to make a movie were through the roof. But he still managed to do Finding Forrester, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, 
And then finally, he just finished out his series with a couple TV documentaries. And then after Sir Billy, he just was a voice character for a cartoon. And in 2012, he told his agents, I'm done. Turned down every single offer. Me and my wife of 45 years are retiring to the Caribbean. Where he proceeded to do like coach commercials and Louis Vuitton handbags. I mean, that he was a man. And when you, it's, it's, you just need to watch the first few minutes of the, of the very first Bond movie. He's just sitting there in that, in that poker game. And that, and he doesn't have to say shit. They don't even show him. It's just him moving the cards across the table. And there's just like this quiet confidence. And you just hear the rustle of everybody crowding around the table and watching the woman just lose hand after hand after hand. And then he just mutters those famous words. Bond, James Bond. And then that was it. A fucking legend was born. That music comes in at the perfect time. He's just, everything about him was bleeding excellence. He played so many iconic characters. And the first movie, the movie that got my attention with him was one of the greatest thrillers of all time. Naval thrillers, action, whatever you want to call it. And when he did Hunt for Red, Hunt for Red October is one of those movies that everybody has a movie that they've watched like, I don't know, like a hundred times. That Hunt for Red October for me is an immaculate movie. It's an immaculate, it's a movie that is almost without flaw. I'm sure if I watched it over and over again, but so many great characters in that movie, just to put it all together, Scott Glenn and Alec Baldwin, a, a, a more lean Alec Baldwin, and then Connery himself, and then Sam Neill, who played his right-hand man, Tim Curry, and all the other additional characters on top of that, James Earl Jones. Hell, there was a politician in that movie, a man who went on to become a politician. Just a freaking amazing flick. The question is, is where did we go from the men that were Sean Connery to now? Who is like Sean Connery now? Tom Hardy? Daniel Craig, in a way? Men who didn't need to speak, but when they did, it spoke volumes. Daniel Craig doesn't say much. And Daniel Craig, when he talks, it earns respect. Every, so many actors now just... They t all they do is they go up on social media or in the Twitter accounts, obviously, or just every single show, they have to be on it. And they just spew all kinds of stuff. Do this, do that. Connery didn't give a fuck. He didn't care about any of that stuff. None whatsoever. He just, he'd go on, say what he had to say, and if you didn't like what he said, he didn't care. He didn't care. Didn't care at all. There were some of the things he said maybe controversial, whether you agree or disagree. And it was revisited in later interviews. And they asked him again. And he's just like, look, that's why I said it. Here, let me re-explain it to you. The man just was. He just reeked of it. Reeked of it. And it's not like he was an, he wasn't just an actor. He was that. He was a man of morals. He was a fit. Back when being fit was, you know, 
it was it, it was unheard of in, in in a sense. You had like the Jack Lalane types, but he was he was a swimmer, he was a model, and then he became one of the most iconic characters and actors of all time. I mean, fucking, I'm gonna go through his bio. There's so much shit that you just can't. I mean. Being who he was in the 60s, I mean, smoking was a big deal. That was back when Bond smoked. And yet he still lived 90 years. And I know in the last few years he started to suffer from dementia. It's reported that he's going to be cremated in time. Where he's going to be buried is not known. Um, Died in Nassau, Bahamas. Was born in Edinburgh, Scotland. Edinburgh, excuse me. Didn't want to disrespect. But I just want, want to press in the point that there's he's got he's also got 10 let me just see here how many movie credits does he have he's got 94 movie credits over 30 years excuse me over 40 years he's got 10 production credits and then his soundtrack credits one directorial credit what's the directorial credit uh the barrel and the burnt bonnet he was a documentary and archival footage and what have you let's see let me see. I'm gonna go through all of his all of his stuff. Let's go through all of his DIYs. The DIYs. He's probably got a shit ton of them. So let's just go through all of it because it's so much so much of him. Um, he even had a nick. I'm pretty sure he had a nickname too. Oh, they called him Big Tam. Thomas Sean Connery didn't really have to change his name too much for the industry. He stood at six foot two. Tall, handsome, muscular Scottish actor Sean Connery, best known for the original actor to portray the character of James Bond. He was successful, unable to sit. Some believe that such a character, divining role, might leave him unable to escape it, but he, provo- he proved the doubters wrong, becoming one of the most notable film actors of his generation. With a host of great movies to his name, arguably the most culminating greatest acclaim in 1988, when Connery won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his role as Irish Cop, as an Irish cop in uh, The Untouchables. Stealing the thunder from the movie's principal star, uh, Kevin Costner. He went up against Kevin Costner for an Oscar and won. Uh, also, his poll, he's also been pulled as the latest living, greatest living Scot. That's, that's pretty easy to beat. Uh, let's see. Living National Treasure, 1989. 1989 proclaimed Sexiest Man Alive by People Magazine. In 1989, at age 69, he was voted Sexiest Man of the Century. <laughs> and he was also knighted in 2000. Let's see. Father Joseph Connery, factory worker and truck driver. Before going into acting, he had many different jobs. He was a milkman, a, lo- a lorry driver, a laborer, artist's model for the Edinburgh College of Art, co- uh, which basically means he did nude modeling, um, coffin polisher and bodybuilder. He also joined the Royal Navy, but was later discharged because of medical problems. At the age of 23, all this before the age of 23, he had a choice between becoming a professional footballer or an actor. And even though he showed much promise in the sport, he chose acting and said it was one of his more intelligent moves. His first major movie role was No Road Back in 1957. And his breakthrough came in 1962 when he landed the role of secret agent James Bond in Dr. No. He played James Bond in six more films, from Russia with Love, which is a classic, Goldfinger, which is overrated, Thunderball, which wasn't bad, You Only Live Twice, which is kind of silly, Diamonds Are Forever, which was awful and never say never again which is technically well it was technically a bond film but license wise was not it was actually going against roger moore's version of bond back in 1983 where uh it was octopussy versus it was octopussy 
Yeah, Octopussy and I think and you Never Say Never Again went they debuted at the same time. But Never Say Never Again is actually an underrated Bond movie, if you want to call it that. It had a really good uh, there was a, a really good uh, section of the movie uh, where it was like a he was playing a war game against the main villain in the movie. It was a really interesting flick. But it definitely overlooked. And then his wife married actress Diane Cleanto in 1962. They had a son, Jason Connery, born on January 11, 1963. Oh, they, okay, so that's his first wife. Then they separated in 1971, divorced two and a half years later. He, Sean then married Jill St. John. Okay, holy shit, this guy was married a few times. Jill St. John, Lana Wood, Magna Kanapka, Kanapka and Carol Mallory. And then in 1979, he married Michelin Roquepon, and then they stayed married. Despite Sean's well-documented love affair with Lindsay DePaul in the late 1980s, Sean had, so he was definitely a ladies' man, no, start, no fucking shock there. Sean had three stepchildren, and, the, even the, and through his marriage with Michelin, he also a, also a grandfather. His son, Jason, and his ex-wife, actress Mira, had a son, Dishel Connor, 1997. Okay. Let's see her offered. See, as far as some trivia, he was offered the role of Robert Elliott, Brian De Palma's in Dress to Kill in 1980, was enthusiastic about it, but declined on account of previously acquired commitments. 1987 ranked top 100 movie stars of all time. 1953 he entered the Mr. Universe contest, finishing third in the tall man's division. Uh, Mr. Universe was the step up, was the next step before you got to Mr. Olympia which I think started in the 1960s. And then uh, Father, he wore a toupee in his Bond movies for, okay. So he started to go, he started to go bald in the 1960s, but he wore a toupee in his Bond movies for Goldfinger, and then he started losing his hair at 17 before the various techniques were used to make most of the hair he still did have. In real life, however, Connery does not wear a toupee. And yeah, he doesn't. He just wore them for the roles. Like in, in when Gold, when uh, The Rock came out in like 1995, he didn't have any hair. But in the movie, they gave him hair. And it actually looked really, really well. It looked really good. But in reality, he never wore, he wore hair. He never wore a toupee. He was always like, I'm bald and I'm bald. That's all. That's just how it was. And oddly enough is when, when Diamonds Are Forever came out, he was still, out of all the Bond movies, out of all the, the, James, the people who played James Bond, Connery always looked really good. Whereas Roger Moore got a little too old uh, in his in his days was Bond. Most of the other ones kind of got kicked to the curb. Like Roger Moore got a little too old. Uh, who was it? Fucking Pierce Brosnan didn't get a little too old. It's just his movies got a little too terrible. Not his fault. <laughs> Times were just changing. Late nineties movies had that little thing about them that just it was too pop. It was too pop art. And then Daniel Craig, he's starting to get older too, but still looks great as a James Bond. Um, but yeah, Sean knew when to leave, and he wanted to. He would have left by the 1970s. He he didn't. He wanted more money, but he just he left. But he decided to come back as because they had that one guy who didn't work out for Bond. He did like one movie, and then Sean Connery came back for one big payday. Did the worst Bond movie of all time, and knew it was time to quit, and he left. But yeah, just a, I mean, he is a strong-willed man for his time. Uh, what else? Two small tattoos on his right arm. One says Scotland Forever. The other says Mum and Dad. 
He got them when he enlisted in the Royal Navy at age 16. Holy shit, you could enlist at age 16? Took dancing lessons for 11 years. Swedish dancer Jat Malmgren. Uh, had radiation therapy for a throat ailment in 1993. In February 95, interview with Entertainment Weekly, Connery said the treatment had been to remove benign tumors from his vocal cords after he found himself losing his voice while filming Rising Sun. He donated his salary from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, to charity. Good for him. Uh, worked as a coffin polisher. His older brother, Neil Connery, formerly worked as a military Major contributor to the Scottish National Party. This was stopped for a while while ruling Labour government and people said living outside of the United Kingdom would not be allowed to donate money to British political parties. In 99, blah, 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 he said in an interview during the filming of Never Say Never Again, he was taking martial arts lessons and in the process angered the instructor who in turn broke his wrist. Connery stayed with the wrist broken for a number of years thinking it was only a minor, a minor pain. The instructor was Steven Seagal. <laughs> How about that? Uh, he was a recipient of the 22nd annual Kennedy Center Honors for Lifetime Con Contribution to Arts and Culture, presented by presented by Bill Clinton in Washington D.C. on December 5th, 1989. He used to live in Spain near a golf course. He played daily. Damn, fucking guy. I wish I was him. Had his own film production company, Fountain Bridge Films, is an area of Edinburgh where he was born. Made a Knight Bachelor in 2000, Queen's Millennium Honors. Noted one of the be uh, noted to be one of John Gardner's favorite actors in mind when he wrote in the novel Scorpius. Ninety five was chosen by Empire Man, sexiest man alive. Blah blah blah. Let's see, um, nineteen ninety seven, his grandson. Okay, joined the Merchant Navy as a teenager, but stomach ulcers forced him to leave. He received disability pension for a period after this. Damn. He was paid a huge sum to return as James Bond for Diamonds of Forever in 1971, setting a record. It was donated to, to his Scottish charity. What? So he made $1 million for that movie, and then he donated it to a charity. Caused an uproar. Oh, this was the one. This was the uproar. Uh, this is how it's written, by the way. He caused an uproar in 1987 December interview with Barbara Walters in which he said it was okay to hit a woman if she deserved it or needed to keep her in line. He had said similar things in 1965 interview with Playboy magazine. <laughs> yeah, that kind of yeah it didn't stop his didn't stop his movie career not at all. Um, let's see, survey 10,000 actress Mira C dated his ex daughter in law received the honorary degree of D lit from the St Andrews University. He turned down the role of Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Holy shit! Uh, why? Why would you do that? Um, who did that? Go? Yeah, we know. Why did he turn it down? He turned down all three because it didn't he because he didn't want to film down in New Zealand for eighteen months and could not understand the novels. The decision to not appear in the trilogy cost the actor an, an estimated four hundred and fifty million dollars. <laughs> he declared in March two thousand three that he would not return home until Scotland is an independent country. He believes this can still happen during his lifetime. Well, apparently not. He was parodied on Saturday Night Live by Daryl Hammond, which was probably one of the funniest uh, characters ever played on Saturday Night Live. That it was it was on the uh, it was when they were doing the Jeopardy parodies and oh those were beautiful. Played kings and several times blah blah blah. Ian Fleming, the creator, did originally did not like him being cast as Bond for Doctor No because he felt that he was too unrefined. The actor whom film embodied Bond in Fleming's mind was Cary Grant. Fleming later changed his mind and admitted it he was ideally cast for the movie. Yeah, I agree. Cary Grant would have been a horrible decision for playing James Bond. James Bond is he's 
that is a foreign actor. That's a European actor. James Bond cannot be played by an American actor. There's just, you would be able to tell. You could just tell by the way they walk and talk. It would be, it's better off being like an Australian actor or, or European actor. That's just the way it should be. It just, it fits that narrative so much better. Considering it's a British secret agent, it makes more sense. Um, let's see, what else? I think that's, I mean, there's so much more accolades here. He had a difficult, he would see. He had a difficult time getting work after he abandoned the James Bond role a second time after Diamonds Are Forever, for which he received a record salary. Director John Borman thus was able to hire him very cheaply for his low-budget production of Zardoz. So he continued acting. I mean, first of all, he had a million dollars after that. Probably to pay off all the alimony. Well, he said, I mean, you would think it'd be to pay off all his alimony. But, I mean, apparently th that they didn't have that back then. So I guess it was just to, uh, you know, he just donated it to charity. So, I mean, fuck. I mean, I could go through this. There's so much shit here. I'll, let me go down to some of the money he's made. I Usually at the bottom of IMDb, there's like a list of uh, some of the things he's, uh, how much money is listed. I mean, there's so much stuff here holy shit let me just scroll down to the bottom here all right over his lifetime dr no he was making twenty thousand dollars just for inflation plus one hundred and five thousand dollars bonus share of the profits and then from russia with love he made a quarter million marnie he made 400 goldfinger he made 500 plus five percent of the u.s gross that's three million dollars thunderball six hundred thousand plus 25 percent of the worldwide you only live twice Three quarters of a million dollars plus twenty five percent of the worldwide merchandising profits. It's a million dollars total salary. Then a million dollars for Sherlock. Diamonds are forever. One point two five million dollars plus twelve percent of the U.S. gross. Six point seven million. And then for Zardoz, he made a quick two hundred grand. And then right after that, in nineteen eighty three. So for Zardoz, Zardoz, even though they don't list every single one of his salaries but from zardoz he made 200 grand but literally less than 10 years later he's making five million to make never say never again five million plus five percent of the u.s profits so 6.4 million dollars and then for hunt for out october he made four highlander two he made 1.3.5 robin hood he made 1.9 million he gave it to charity and then medicine man 10 million first night 9 million the rock 12 Entrapment, $20 million. Finding Forrester, $15 million. A League of Extraordinary Gen Gentlemen, which bombed, $17 million. The guy was fucking loaded. By the 2000s, he never had to work. Shit, by the 90s, he never had to work again. Got a career retired right then and there. But he was one of the biggest banking... I mean, he was one of those big action stars. But yet later in his years. I hope that... When we look back 10, 15 years from now, if, if we are still, you know, in one piece as a, as a hum, as humanity, that, uh, that we look back at him and appreciate him more for what he was and we don't tear him down like, like John Wayne or, or, you know, other characters that played such iconic roles. I mean, shit, he was also in, you know, he was also in Indiana Jones. He played the dad. It was a great role for him. But he understood action. He understood suspense. He understood drama. He understood comedy. That was one of the, he was excellent in delivering liners, just bangers. He just knew it. And he could go G or he could go a hard R. He didn't care. He was fucking Sean Connery. 
just you couldn't do anything but take him seriously. But man, I don't. I mean, this is just like that was my guy. There's no other. There's no other actor I can really think of at this time. It's like when I attach myself, who would it be? And you have to. And you really, I can't think of anybody else. It's like when you look at guitarists. It's like who do you compare to to Eddie Van Halen? Who? That was that big. And it's not like this is tragic. I mean, the man lived to it to ninety years old. He had a solid seventies and a solid and a de- pretty decent eighties. Lived in the Bahamas, soaked in the sun. The man won. The man won. And despite whatever flaws he had in the in the sixties and seventies, as we all did in our, our younger years, the man managed to stay married for forty five years. Forty five years, lived his life. Absolutely, just how do you emulate something like that? And the man said, fuck it at the end of the day. He turned down Lord of the Rings. And sometimes it's when you look at an actor, it's not so much about what they what they accepted, but what they turned down. And to turn down one of the highest grossing franchises of all time. I mean, it was only just three movies. Well, then they did the Hobbits, but those weren't as iconic as the first three Lord of the Rings movies. But to turn down playing Gandalf, I mean, that's a shit ton of money. But he didn't need it. He lived comfortably in the Bahamas. Probably had plenty of real estate. Probably had it all taken care of. Lived comfortably for the rest of his life and passed away passed away peacefully. I mean, for everything that he was... For everything that he did, right or wrong, for whether I agreed or, or, or disagreed or saw things from different angles with him, he was somebody I appreciated on and off the screen in so many ways. I mean, I'm sure there could be tough times in that castle with him. I'm sure he was hard to deal with in some aspects, but that man wanted to be him, be by himself in his own place. He stuck by his side. He left his home. He left his native country and vowed never to return unless it was an independent nation. It takes a lot to leave your own country. Really does. So, I don't want to milk this any more than I have to. He was one of the greatest actors of all time. He was one of my favorite actors of all time. And it's hard to put anybody past him. I know there's people like Sylvester Stallone that you know when you think about iconic action heroes but or just iconic actors it might be stallone stallone's getting older you know things are getting a little tougher it's getting a little tougher for him to move around the beatings are starting to catch up to him and he's still taking paychecks but i'm looking at all these tabs of of Things I have open Sunday, the Q and A, uh, the New York Post, um, Mel Magazine, all these different articles. Of, and and the, and I was going to talk about. And it's just like, what else? Who cares? I don't care. I I don't. I'm gonna get. I know what I'm gonna do. So 
I was in Hampton t- today. I was looking at, you know, property and houses and stuff because, you know, we're, we're, we're itching to get out of here. And I was like, well, what if the studio was, you know, what am I going to put in the new studio? I mean, it's all spare parts and stuff, but, you know, there's some things I bought for the studio that I, I really like. And what would the new one look like? How would it be designed? And what interesting uh, things would I put in it? And I get it. It should be, the spare parts studio should be about efficiency. Absolutely. But it should also be about recognition of some of the greatest moments in cinema history. And culturally, what's better than having, if I had a picture of The Empire Strikes Back, which I do, a great framed photo of it and some of my great moments but to be honest there has to be a portrait of Connery shit there has to be two of them there has to be one a a movie poster of the hunt for red October there's no denying that because that's one of my favorite movies of all time honestly it is it's you have to watch that you're going to watch one movie from Sean Connery. The Hunt for Red October has to be it. It's better than The Rock. It's better than any of the Bond movies he played. It's probably one of his best movies. It's probably his best movie. But a, a re, out of respect to his younger years, that moment when he's sitting there at the poker table with lighting the cigarette, that has to be a painting or a photo on the wall of the new spare parts studio coming in 2021. And I will make damn sure that that happens because if you respect something or someone that much, you have to have something in their home that recognizes that fact. So if you ever do come to the new spare parts studio, know that that's going to be a thing because I do, I, I feel emotionally a lot, of respect for him as a person and as an actor. So he passed away peacefully and I'm okay. I'm good. At least knowing that I know he suffered from dementia in his last few years. And you know, if for a man as stoic and as strong and as iconic as he was, it, it brings me some comfort knowing that it wasn't a struggle. And he's not a COVID, some bullshit COVID statistic or whatever. It's just he, ch- he chilled in the Bahamas in, his, in the end of his years. He passed away peacefully with his wife. And that's all there is to it. Another icon, but at least this icon, lived a full life. And he has all my respect. So thank you, Sean Connery, for all the cool movies, all the cool quotes, and just for being taking that chance in Hollywood back when it still mattered to be in Hollywood. So that's it. That's all there is. Um, We're done for today. If you want to support this podcast, please. Uh, I have to ask of you, it's very important, um, especially with everything going on. It's more important now than ever to support the Spare Parts Studio. It really is. It's Remember, I, I spend a lot of time here a lot of hours by myself. So if you could go to uh, positivesarcasm.com and click on the contact donate button, it's right there. 
It's up at the top. There's a contact section where you just go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. There's affiliate links and there's a donate button. Just all $1 is all it takes. And if all of you, the subscribers, the viewers, the listeners, the Facebook friends, $1 is all it takes. If all of you do it, it would make a world of difference because I want to make this my thing. Not just my passion, but my livelihood. So that's all it takes is $1. That's it. I don't care about the children in Africa. I've done enough for them. I did the South Sudan shit. You know, I got I got time for me to wet my beak a little bit. I know I'm sounding selfish. I don't care. I don't care. I'm wearing Banana Republic chinos. What do you expect from me? So, uh, yeah, that's it. I just wanted to take a moment and see, I want you guys, whether you're listening on the podcast or watching through YouTube or Facebook, to see how I, just me thinking about all the stuff that he did and just viewing it for at least 30 minutes, just understanding how important of an actor he was and only talking about him and not making it sound like I'm reading everything off of a cue card or, uh, you know, reviewing this as anything, anything controversial. It's just, he was the best. He was the best. And he proved it every single movie. The guy alone could carry a movie. And even as supporting actor could carry the movie. So. <sighs> All right. Well, that's the end of that. So if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening and watching and subscribing. And uh, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can hit me up at positivesarcasm at outlook.com or you can contact me directly through my website. You can hit me up on all social media. Any to anything, questions, concerns, comments, guests, podcasts, whatever. You know, Look for more coming down the road. I'm going to go back and do some more editing. But rest in peace, Sean Connery. Thank you for all the memories. I want to thank you guys for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I will talk to you all on Wednesday. And just want to let you know, I will be here Wednesday. I don't, um, you know, the elephant in the room is the elephant in the room. I don't care. I will be here. It'll be just, hopefully, just another day. I'll see you when the sun rises. Rest in peace, Sean Connery. But I will see you on Wednesday. Okay? And we'll, we'll talk about the silly shit. We'll talk about the dig Q&A. We'll talk about some weird sci-fi articles, you know. And we'll, we'll just get after it like we always do. Okay, so that's it. Go watch The Hunt for Red October. Thank you all for listening, watching, and subscribing. I'll talk to you all on Wednesday. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation.
Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.